on this Mother's Day when we rejoice. We thank you for the moms you've given us, the wives you've given us. We want to thank you and claim your faithfulness in our lives. We recognize this faithfulness. And I, and I pray, God, that we would rejoice today in your faithfulness. And as we open your word now, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged, to be exhorted, yes, even, to love you more. And as we walk out of these doors in a bit, Father, I pray that you will have grown us in you. Help every one of us in this room to take another step in our spiritual lives today. To be encouraged, Father. I pray that. That you would help there to be mothers here that are encouraged. I pray today that, that you would encourage dads and, and kids here alike. That all of us would find, find an exhortation from your word. would find encouragement from your word. would be compelled this week to live for you more. God, I pray for the young ones here. I pray the ones we just prayed for, but also those now as, as the blessed teachers, the ones that have, are serving you by serving your people, are teaching them your ways. I pray that you please bless them. Thank you for the musicians that led us in these songs of praise to you today. And now I pray that you would please open our hearts as we take your word and study it. Take your word, we pray, and plant it deep into our hearts. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the privilege of being in church today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, if you're not already. Well, happy Mother's Day. It's good to see you all here this morning. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy. We're going to take just a, a bit of a break today from our study in Romans, honor our mothers a bit here, look at a passage in Scripture that's so appropriate to mothering and grandmothering, and uh, this morning hopefully we can find encouragement and exhortation from this passage. Thank you for joining mom today. If you're not normally an attender of Cross Point Community Church, thank you for joining. I hope you feel welcomed here. We love having you here. Um, thank you for taking the time on Sunday morning to join us for worship, and I pray that this would be a blessing to you this morning. There's several here that I know are going to be tired because you've been traveling. Welcome back to our Costa Rica mission team. We've been praying for you. It's okay if you hold your hands up like this for halfway through the service. I understand. I'm trying to stay awake. Uh, others who spent a lot of time traveling this week. I know our brother Ed Bootinger drove, I believe, from East Coast to West Coast this week. Or something like that. <laughs> uh, so he's going to be holding his eyeballs open as well. But uh, I know there's a lot happening. But I praise God that you took this time on Sunday morning to gather together to study God's Word. This morning we're going to look at the sincere faith of a mother. But before we even do that, on a bit of a lighter side, I was reminded this week of... There's so many differences between dads and moms, and in a couple in a month, we get to celebrate Father's Day, but there's so many differences on how dads and moms function in the home, so many similarities in the Lord, but so many differences as well. This week, I was reminded of primary differences between dads and moms simply based on questions and complaints they receive every day from their children. You ever thought about that? All right, here's... 
Here's the mom equation. Any one of these questions or, or complaints or any, add any thousand to these every day. Okay? Is dinner ready yet? Where's my shirt? Uh, can I go? Can I go with? Can I take this? Or any kind of a complaint. I'm hungry. Mom's got to answer that, right? That's how things function on occasion, even though it shouldn't be quite that way. I'm cold. I can't find my... Oh boy, how many times in any given morning is that mentioned? And now here's the primary difference. I mean, so moms get all of these questions, thousands of them every day. And men, dads, our life is so rough. We have one primary question we have to answer every single day, and here's the question. Where's mom? (laughs) Our life is so rough, guys. Praise God for our moms. I praise God this morning. Just a brief moment to praise God for my wife who lives out genuine faith in our home and selflessly serves the, the Scott crew every single day. Answers just about every question, even my questions. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. I love you. I praise God for my mom who has selflessly served her children and their questions for the last 44 years. I praise God for my stepmom who graciously serves Jesus by faithfully serving her family's questions. And I praise God for all mothers here today who filled so many questions and complaints every single day, including trying to, a minor miracle of getting to church this Sunday morning. So I praise God for every single one of you mothers and grandmothers here today. Also, I do want to acknowledge this. I praise God for those who may struggle through this day. Maybe more than other days. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you desire to be a mother, and but for various reasons you cannot. And I just want to say on behalf of Cross Point Community Church, thank you for your testimony of trust in a sovereign God. A God who abounds in goodness even when that goodness doesn't look the way we think it maybe should. Thank you for your testimony of grace and faithfulness to your God. So happy Mother's Day this morning. All right, let's get into 2 Timothy. Have you ever stopped to think about how God has used people in your life to shape who you are today? Think about that. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Maybe you've even assembled some kind of a list. These are people that God has used in my life to shape me to who I am today. And I'm going to tell you, probably at the top, and if, if maybe not on the top spot, the top five certainly, of 90% of us has got to be mom. Moms. God has used moms in a dynamic way in all of our lives. And I want to say that is no different than the dude we're going to talk about today, Timothy. This young man, Timothy, who we talked about on occasion, we're not unfamiliar with this guy. This guy, Timothy, this is the exact same case in his life. God used his mom, God used his grandma to shape who he was as a person 
and as a believer. And I want us to notice that today by reading two simple passages. I want us to look, first of all, at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And then we're going to jump and kind of, uh, Paul, by God's grace, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, mentions something in chapter 1, and then it's like he returns to it again in chapter 3. So we're going to see the notice of it in chapter 1, and then jump into it again in chapter 3, and then we're going to build an argument, which I believe that Paul actually does here in regard to moms. So let's start, if you would read with, uh, follow along as I read, uh, if you're if you don't have a device or Bible with you, it will be on your handout here. I included the text of Scripture on the handout. 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul to Timothy says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how cool is this that God included these women in the holy text of Scripture? Eunice and Lois are in the Word of God. Why? Because by God's grace, they guided this young servant of Jesus in the ways of the Lord. Now let's jump to chapter 3 and see more of how this comes to life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. I'll start in verse 14 and We'll actually read to verse 17, because it's all kind of a thought here. But as for you, Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And just a quick note there, that word whom is plural. It's not just uh, Paul teaching Timothy. It has to also include here through the context, I believe Eunice and Lois are involved in this. Verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then these very well-known verses that we must trust in every day of the week, verse 16 and 17, are attached to this concept of training up a child. Here it is. All scripture is breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right, I want you, if, if you're a circler or an underliner or a highlighter, there's a couple, there's so many things to, to highlight in this passage, but in that particular set of verses, four words in, in verse 15, there's this word childhood. That might be a good one to circle. And then travel down into verse 17 and find this word, the man of God. So there's an argument that Paul is making here. How do you take this young one from a child, this immature person, and bring them up in the ways of the Lord so that they truly can be considered a man of God? What is the argument? What is proposed by Paul to do this? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we even do this, what about this guy, Timothy? What do we know about Timothy? We know quite a bit about him. We've talked of him pretty regularly. There's no hiding who this guy is. And actually, more than others, there's more known about this guy, Timothy. And we can kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together as we go to the book of Acts. 
You see this guy's life highlighted in different occasions. What do we know of this guy? Well, I love the story of Timothy for several different reasons, but this may be the primary one. As a young boy, Timothy grew up with an unbelieving Greek Gentile dad and a believing Jewish mom. That is so cool. Why? Because in our minds sometimes we think that when you come to a pretty little church and study God's pretty word and come together with Jesus people, everyone's houses are perfect. Timothy, but Timothy would be the first one to say, nope. <laughs> Very possibly his dad was an unbeliever, possibly even sarcastic or cynical or skeptic to the ways of the Lord. We don't know. We don't want to fill in the blanks too much there, but we do know, according to Acts 16, that his dad was a Gentile, a Greek. Well, some more of the story of Timothy. Timothy grew up with a godly Jewish mom and grandma who finally or faithfully taught him the Old Testament. Now, right now, we need to realize that that's what they had to teach him. Okay, right now on your left, you have the Word of God, the completed, what we call canon of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books. At this point in redemptive story, they didn't have all that. What did Lois and Eunice have to teach Timothy? They had the Old Testament Scriptures. At this point in redemptive history, God was actually speaking through His, through his men, as 1 Peter says, Second Peter says, Paul says God was speaking through his men to write down the New Testament of the Scriptures. So what did Lois and Eunice have to teach? The Old Testament. As a young man who placed his trust in Jesus, Timothy was mentored by the Apostle Paul himself. Think about this. I love this. Paul is known by many as the, the missionary to the Gentiles. He saw this young man, he saw the potential in this young man, and he invested his life into young Timothy. Timothy, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 1-2, was known as Paul's son in the faith, son in the ministry. He was Paul's protege. As a student of the Word of God, Timothy learned the gospel-centered, Jesus-consumed theology of Paul really well. I mean, he had to. He's traveling around with Paul. He's going to talk of Jesus nonstop. And I would imagine as they traveled, because this is the other part of it, as a young man, he traveled for about 10, potentially 15 years of his life on and off. He traveled with Paul. And I would imagine as they walked thousands and thousands of miles together from his second missionary journey on, that Paul would stop and just ask Timothy. He would drill him constantly. Tell me about redemption, Timothy. Tell me about the sufficiency of the Lamb of God. And I believe that from a childhood, Timothy learned these things, and he was constantly putting the pieces of the puzzle together in his own mind. This Timothy was a young man who loved God, who was brought up in the ways of Jesus, and who was mentored by this man, the Apostle Paul, as a young preacher of the gospel, because this is what Paul did, and Timothy did. Paul would travel and plant these churches, and guess who was... I want to think sometimes the unlucky fella. <laughs> Can't think too deeply on that because I know God's sovereign hand placed him in these positions. But Paul would start these churches and guess who he would leave there, possibly even on five occasions, to pastor that church, to be an interim pastor? Yes, Timothy. I can imagine as they go into a new town, 
Paul's like, hey, oh man, let's go to the synagogue, let's teach here. Oh boy, let's plant a church, uh, Jesus people. Let's see this established. And you see these people come from Jew- Jews and Gentiles alike, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul starts on it, but you know, any church plant or something like that might go through a good year of like honeymoon stage. And guess who was left there to deal with the aftermath? Timothy. <laughs> It's no wonder that one of the things that we hear about Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12, is that Timothy was a man, he was timid. He feared, he he, he had fearful thoughts that welled up in his mind and his heart. That's why I believe Paul says, Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth, but be an example of the believers. Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, Timothy. That is this Timothy in the Scriptures. To summarize Timothy's life, along with Paul, I love how Paul titles Timothy in Philippians chapter 1. The very first verse of Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, here's what Paul says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about this in Romans. What a noble title. A servant of Jesus. And this is what Timothy was called. A servant of Jesus Christ. Now towards the end of the Apostle Paul's life, Timothy had spent time with his mentor. 10, 15 years of traveling with this man. Gleaning the truths of the scriptures. Learning more and more and more and more about Jesus this Timothy realized that the Apostle Paul, his life was about to end. Paul in Rome, about to be executed for the cause of Jesus Christ. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pens his last letter, and his last letter goes to this guy, Timothy. I love this because in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, both chapter 1, verse 5, Paul brings up a really neat word, set of words actually, sincere faith. Okay, so Paul and Timothy had traveled all over the known world. They've saw, seen a lot. They've seen a lot of people who called themselves Christian, but I can imagine that Timothy looked at Paul with wide open eyes, just like our little bailer here just a minute ago, when he saw someone that called themselves Christians, and he's like, how do they call themselves Christians? They're Christian in name only, but their life doesn't indicate that they're a Christian. Well, I love because this is what Paul is talking to Timothy about. He says in chapter 1, verse 5 of 1 Timothy, the end of the commandment, Timothy, is charity. It's love out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and of unhypocritical faith. Or this, sincere faith. He uses the exact terminology in the last letter he writes, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and he says, Timothy, you have that sincere faith. I know it's in you. That sincere faith. Well, I want us to talk a little bit more about this sincere faith. The sincere faith that came from his mom and grandma. So you're like, Pastor Andrew, you're talking a lot about Timothy. Well, here's why I'm talking about Timothy. Because you see a young man of God, a servant of Jesus Christ, and who was the foundation for who Timothy was. 
his mom and grandma. And guess what? The sincere faith that Paul talks to Timothy about, he says it's in your mom and grandma. Well, there's this argument that Paul builds, and we're just going to touch on this. It's not going to be a, a long discussion today. Well, you should know you shouldn't believe me when I say that. We'll try to actually build this argument rather quickly today, but there's an argument I think you can build, and it's exactly what's on your hand out there. And I just want to state it this way. I'm going to kind of see this flow of thought from chapter 1 to 3. He's connecting the dots with Paul when he talks about Lois and Eunice. Here it is. God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother or a grandmother. But then as you go to chapter 3, you see the, another part of this equation, this argument that Paul makes. He says, God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother because sincere faith is firmly rooted in the Bible. And actually, we see in the next verses, and the Bible clearly reveals Jesus. And if you kind of complete the circle here of thought, Jesus is the one that transforms the life of a sincere believer. Faith, sincere faith, rooted firmly in the Word of God, and the Word of God exposing, revealing Jesus. That's Paul's argument. And let's take the next 15, 20 minutes and let's just kind of unpack these three statements, this flow of thought, starting with this one. God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother. I'm in verse 5, if you just read with me again in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 1. Paul says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure... It dwells in you as well. I would say, okay, so obviously the, the primary focus of this verse and, and verses surrounding is this, these two words, sincere faith. The first of these, verse, these words, sincere, what does this mean? It's good, and I'm, even though I'm tempted to run, run off on this for a while, I'm going to refuse Sincere just simply means genuine. It means without pretense. Sometimes it's translated as unhypocritical. The second of these verses, of these words, sincere faith. This is, as you know it, it is trust. It is belief. It is the foundational response of all Christianity to God's sovereign purpose and plan through Jesus Christ. It is sincere faith. Now, Putting those two together, and what do we have, all right? In our modern-day terminology, it would have to go something like this. It's the real deal. It's not fake. This faith, this faith is real. Not perfect, but real. And I can kind of time out on that a little bit, because sometimes on these Mother's Day, a lot of us pastors, we like to go to Proverbs 31 and just paint this unreal picture sometimes. You, you understand what I mean? And moms go home and you're like, there's no way. That's why I believe at the end of that whole chapter you have this. You can't necessarily live up to this, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And so when we're talking about this woman, we're not painting this unreal picture. We're talking about Lois and Eunice, real woman, women in a real world that had real struggles with real people. But they had a real deal. 
Not perfect, but real. Not a facade, but real faith. Not a faith that is only in word, but a real faith. A sincere faith. A genuine faith. Not a faith that is only present when it's popular. But the real deal faith that reaches into every area of life. The good times and the bad times. The sincere faith of a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul talks of this sincere faith. And then he says, a faith that dwelt first in your mother, your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice. Again, this is so good. I I love this. Why? Because moms are in the B-I-B-L-E. God put them in there. Praise God that he clearly uses women to live out and advance his redemptive plan of salvation. That is the God of the Bible. I mean, and a quick, maybe a quick note on that, if I can take a bit of a rabbit trail on that one, especially for young and midlife women, praise God that chauvinism is not part of biblical Christianity. Please catch what I'm saying right here. As much as skeptics want to point a finger and say that God, the God of the Bible belittles women, that's, that is simply not true when you read your Bible. It's a lie. Even to the point of being countercultural, God has, uh, Jesus taught this non chauvinistic way. He showed this non chauvinistic way in how he ministered to, to women and how he blessed women. And God has sovereignly chosen to use and actually highlight certain women in his wonderful plan of redemption. If you doubt this, see who God uses and, and how Matthew highlights this as he goes through. I love this. All the names up to Jesus Christ and the women highlighted there. I love it. And these women highlighted. They're not perfect women either. God chooses to use real life women who have a real faith in Jesus Christ. Just think about the life of Jesus, his interaction. And think about what Paul himself says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus does. This is the God we serve. Don't let the world around us lie to us and point a finger at God when that finger cannot be pointed at God. We have to remember this, that God's intention for women is perfect and absolutely beautiful. With such gracious care, God has roles and wonderful functions for women that are not meant to make them miserable. Catch that. God's beautiful function for for spiritual womanhood is not meant to make you miserable. It's to highlight who He's made you. They're they're meant to allow you to shine beautiful. Ladies, a, a brief pastoral encouragement, if I could share this. Please don't buy into the lie that you are more beautiful if you reach out of God's designed function and or sexuality. God has chosen you to be exactly who he wants you to be in his name. Don't buy into the lie that, it, that you're not as beautiful if you're stuck in a faithful, monogamous, monogamous relationship that has to endure the horrid duty of childbearing. Now, that is a blessing from Almighty God. Following God's sovereign design and intended function is an absolutely beautiful thing. 
It is a gracious gift from a good God that knows. He's a sovereign God, so he knows exactly how things should function. No matter what Satan and the world are trying to whisper in your ear, don't believe it. As you can tell with a wonderful wife and four beautiful daughters, I get rather exercised about this. Get passionate about this. Women, God made you in a beautiful way. Live as a child of King Jesus. Okay, so how was God's servant Timothy prepared, back to the text, prepared for a life of serving King Jesus? How was he prepared? Well, this is where we need to transition to chapter 3. And I'm just going to briefly mention this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. I'm going to skip to chapter, uh, to verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Yes! So what's the argument of the Apostle Paul here? First of all, God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother because sincere faith is firmly rooted where? In the Bible, in the Word of God. Paul states this, he says, Knowing from whom you learned it. You didn't just learn it from me, Paul says. And, and Timothy learned a lot from Paul. Like I said, they traveled a lot together. But I think what Paul is doing is saying, yeah, Timothy, you learned a lot from me, but don't forget where you really started to learn these things. That's what he's saying. It started in your home from your mother and your grandmother whispering Jesus' words to you, words of the scriptures. He says this, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from a childhood, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. This is great because this word sacred writings is a common term, uh, a term used to talk about the Old Testament scriptures. The law, the prophet, the historic books, the poetic books, all of it, what Jews would consider the Tanakh, the Torah, Nafaim, and Ketuvim. This is the scriptures of the Old Testament come together. And this is so cool. Why? Because what did they do? They taught theology through these books to this young man, Timothy. Through the Old Testament. And then we come to verse 16. And, Tim, and Paul to Timothy, as is consistent with the flow and redemptive history, he says, you have the Old Testament, but let me share something with you. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, we've talked about this in Romans, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he brings in now what's happening currently for him in the New Testament. All scripture, Paul, Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so what's the point? Here's the point. The Bible is God's sufficient word that can clearly take an uninformed child and bring them to spiritual maturity as a man of God. Moms, grandmas, you know this. It's not going to be how creative you can be in teaching all of these different fairy tales and cool knick-knack stories that's going to bring this kid from immaturity to maturity in the ways of the Lord. It is going to be the presence.
precious word of God, God faithfully taught every single day to these children. Let's think about the last part of this equation this morning. Starting with this, though. I love this. How from a childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So there's a point to this. Moms, grandmas, there's a point to sharing the word of God with your children. And what is the point? Here it is highlighted. It's able to make them wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. What's the argument that Paul makes here? God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother because sincere faith is firmly rooted in the Bible and the Bible clearly reveals Jesus. Why is this so important? Because every single little one, as cute as they are, as wonderful as it is to see them run around, that cute little giggle and that smile, because they are born into this world in the line of Adam, they are born in this world as a sinner that needs a Savior. They need Jesus, just like Timothy. Timothy needed Jesus. And I believe that this is the type of story that you would have heard from Lois and Eunice. Something like this. Timothy, guess what? As we go through the Old Testament scriptures, Timothy, through creation, God proved his power, holiness, and ownership over all mankind, Timothy. But, Timothy, oh, but, Timothy, Timothy, the garden happened. Timothy, through Adam's sin, came into the world, Timothy. Timothy, but guess what? Through Abraham, God promised a rescuer, and that rescuer is to all nations, even to your dad, Timothy. Timothy, through Moses, God showed that man cannot rescue themselves. As hard as they try, they can't do it, Timothy. Timothy, you can't do it on your own, Timothy. It is only going to be God that does it in your life. Timothy, through David, God showed that the rescuer would be the eternal king, Timothy. Don't forget it, Timothy. The rescuer will be the eternal king. Oh, and Timothy, let me show you this man, Isaiah, a prophet from God. Guess what? He showed something that kind of is troubling, but it's really neat. Here it is, Timothy. God showed that his rescuer would suffer like a lamb for you, Timothy. What did they do? Lois and Eunice, all the way through his life, were teaching them that he needed Jesus as a Savior. Timothy. And I love this because when the Apostle Paul came and ministered to Lois and Eunice, and yes, even Timothy, guess what? I can imagine Lois and Eunice looked at each other and said, Yes! This is the Jesus we've been talking to Timothy about! Paul, would you share this with Timothy? He's ready! He is ready to be wise unto salvation to believe in this Savior, Jesus Christ. He has been prepared through the Scriptures. He is ready to receive this Savior, Jesus forever. God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother and a grandmother because sincere faith is firmly rooted in the Bible and the Bible clearly reveals Jesus. So what? Let's close this out. So what? What's the takeaway? As we walk out these doors, you come on Sunday morning, you hear these 
cool little verses and these passages from God, a sufficient word, but how is this going to change our lives as we go our way this week? And I would say we would really need to ask a couple further questions starting this, with this one. And, and really, I'm not, I'm not going to pick on moms and grandmas here. All right, this is for all of us here. Here's the question. Is your faith genuine? Because that's really what's highlighted in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, this sincere faith. Not just moms, but all of us here. Is your faith the real deal? Not the person sitting down the row from you, but your faith. I'm going to tell you, there are some that grew up here, sitting here today. You heard all these things. You've memorized all the verses. You worked through maybe all 30 Awana books. You know the gospel, all of it as a truth. I have a question for you. Is this faith real in your life? Is it genuine? A good place to start is by asking if your life has been transformed through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And I'm just going to say this. If not, guess what? Today, Mother's Day, would be a great day to do so. Come to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in the one that can save your soul. For those who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, is your faith being distracted by the ways of this world around you? The skeptics? There's some really good questions out there. Some really good comments, but has it drawn you away from the sufficiency of the Word of God? The tried and tested Word of God? From the beginning of time in Genesis, we find that what Satan does is tries to get people, God's creations, to doubt God's word. As the world around you caused you to start to doubt the sufficiency of God's word, and I would say this this morning, analyze your faith. Is it genuine? Would you leave here with a renewed appreciation for Jesus and by God's grace, a renewed passion to be the real deal Christian this week? Mother, grandmother, it's no mistake you're here today. I praise God you're here today, and I hope this is an encouragement to your heart. I hope that you're encouraged with the time you have spent with your children. I hope this is encouraging you that, no, you don't have to be perfect, but guess what? By faith, we constantly go back to the cross. We constantly, as we're talking on Sunday mornings through Romans, we constantly go back to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms our lives, that gives us hope. For imperfect people trusting in a perfect Jesus. I have to ask another question as we go, and just two more quick questions. Is your faith grounded in God's word? Is it rooted in God's word? How committed are you to the most amazing book in all of human history? A book that is, uh, we just read this, it is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. I praise God. I honestly do. I was sitting there thinking about this this week. I praise God for the women, the moms and grandmas at Cross Point Community Church whose faith is deeply rooted in the Word of God. I can tell it. I'm talking to these kids. So my question is, would you continue? Don't give up. 
in a world that wants you to stop, would you continue every day teaching your children the ways of the Lord? Would you yourself spend time with God, rooting your life deeply in the Word of God? Last question, are you using God's Word to reveal Jesus to your children? Our children desperately need Jesus. They don't need religion. They need Jesus. They need a Jesus that is sufficient to save their souls. Again, I praise God for women at Crosspoint Community Church that I know are truly Jesus followers, diligently teaching their children and grandchildren God's Word. Simply this morning, I, I would pray that this is an encouragement to you to continue. Continue teaching God's Word to your children. Just a quick plug, this coming Wednesday night in the family support group, we'll give some more practical suggestions on how to do this. How do we teach the gospel to our children? I guarantee you, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> I guarantee you that God's working me over in this issue. How do I teach the gospel regularly and faithful, faithfully to my children? And we'll have a discussion about this. I invite you, 6 o'clock, room 101. Nonetheless, let's go home today encouraged and exhorted with this truth that God graciously uses the sincere faith of a mother who uses the word of God. So thank you, God, that we could come here today. Thank you for our mothers here, grandmothers here. I thank you for how they have attached their lives to the word of God, and I pray that they would never stop. Oh God, I pray by your grace that you would encourage them today, tonight, all through the days to talk of Jesus to their kids, to show Jesus to their kids. God, I pray also here this morning for dads and grandpas that we would encourage our wives to live this way, to continue, to, en to encourage them to keep going, to show them our appreciation and our care. Thank you for the time we could spend this morning in your word. I pray, God, that you please help us as we go our way today to rejoice and the grace that we find in Jesus Christ. Help us to find this grace sufficient for every hurdle we face this week. Thank you for your goodness to us, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your attentiveness this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close out with a song, Forever His Love Endures. Forever. Let's remind ourselves of that as we uh, prepare to go our way. Some of you came this morning ready to share of your resources. We're not passing any kind of plates this morning. There are boxes in the back if you'd like to participate in that. Thank you for being here at church today. It's an encouragement to my heart. Let's close out with this song.